0: Hello and welcome, you're listening to On The Pulse, the podcast about community health in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Rob Becker. Today, join me in being surprised by the politics behind, well, children's teeth of all things, in Wisconsin and across the country. The landscapes of dental care and outcomes are changing right under our noses in Brown County, thanks in large part to the Brown County Oral Health Partnership. This is episode five, The Oral Health Partnership. To start off, I want to revisit an unpublished interview I did some time ago.
1: I am Debbie Armbruster and I am the health officer and health director of De Pere Health Department. And I am Anna
0: Destri, I'm the health officer for the Brown County Health and Human Services Department Public Health Division. Anna and Debbie told me about some of Brown County's priority areas when it comes to public health and how those are determined.
1: Well. The four health priorities that we were part of um, developing were kind of based off the healthiest Wisconsin 2020 health focus areas, and they include alcohol misuse, oral health, mental health, and adequate, appropriate, and safe nutrition.
0: A part of our process to come up with those priorities is known as the Community Health Assessment, or CHA. That is the process that uses qualitative and quantitative methods to systematically collect and analyze data to understand health within a specific community. It includes the risk factors, quality of life, uh, mortality morbidity data, community assets, um, the forces of change within a community, social determinants of health and health inequity information on how well the public health system provides essential services.
1: All the different community agencies, governmental agencies that are a part of Brown County, which is quite vast, are invited to be at this community health assessment to help review the data and discuss where we're at now, what the process has been, what the work has been done. And then make a decision after having this knowledge on how we should move forward.
0: So, the top four areas that could decidedly use some more attention in Brown County were alcohol misuse, oral health, mental health, and adequate, appropriate, and safe nutrition. The Oral Health Partnership is a nonprofit organization working toward that second goal oral health. They provide important dental care at no charge for kids who have Medicaid or who qualify for free or reduced lunch. Executive Director Michael Schwartz Oscar sat down with me to explain more about the Oral Health Partnership. Well, as you said, Michael Schwartz Oscar,
2: I am the Executive Director, Oral Health Partnership. I've been in that role probably just over a year now. Moved over from a different nonprofit in town to Make sure things were going well with Oral Health Partnership. Uh, originally from California, Bay Area, went to grad school, Washington State University. After going to Gonzaga, which is popular for basketball, sure. Um, and I've kind of been in this work for quite a while, working with nonprofits, um, and by and large, public health issues. Perhaps interestingly, when they approached me about the position, I said, I go to the dentist, and that was the extent of my medical expertise. Uh, And then I remembered that I was in El Salvador. I studied through Gonzaga, uh, just poverty, sweatshop labor, those sorts of things, and helped run a dental clinic, cooperative clinic. And so I would lead, gather parties of children, and we would chase flies out and try to <laughs> win the perpetually losing battle against flies and make um all sorts of dental impressions and help people. And I don't think the person who ran the dental clinic was a dentist, but she was helping people in ways they really needed. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I remembered cool. that about a few months into my job with the <laughs> partnership and it's like, wait, I've done this before.
0: Worked <laughs> on teeth. It's funny. Yeah. So can you just give us a little bit of background about Oral Health Partnership, what it is and, and what it does.
2: Mm-hmm. So about what well, Oral Health Partnership is in its 10th year. So celebrating 10 years. Prior to its existence, there were many ER visits from children. And in Green Bay, they said that one in two school days missed was due because children had untreated decay, abscesses, and oral pain. Uh, there there are some really good books out now about oral health um, that kind of parallels the journey of a supermodel who's getting the caps and so forth versus many of our nation who who simply can't get dental care and grow up thinking that dental pain in their mouth is normal uh, and something that they're just used to. So with all these children in Green Bay, um the health systems were saying we're overwhelmed and uh, we don't have a solution. We can't get them treated. They were referring out to Madison, Milwaukee to find dentists who would even see these children who were on Medicaid or who were uninsured, but probably qualify for free and reduced lunch. Bob Bush heard from some folks who were very concerned about this at a downtown Green Bay Rotary Club. Mm. And they were coming on their centennial, and rather than put a park bench somewhere, they said, let's tackle this, let's go after it. So they got just incredibly smart people involved. Uh, Rennie Schalliner, Dr. Jim Van Miller, Gene Eggers, some of these people were pediatric dentists or in the dental world, and said, how do we solve this problem? Without a lot of detail, know that many collaborators in the community. And Green Bay is very unique this way in that if they can identify a solution to a problem, there are people who will come together and fund and, you know, use their time and talent to solve the issue. And that's exactly what happened with Oral Health Partnership. As they continued working on it, they got donations of equipment and donations of space from the Salvation Army Croc Center and space there. They got donations from the Howe Resource Center Green Public Schools. So I think that was our first clinic was the Howe Resource Center which is located centrally in Green Bay. Then they expanded to move uh, or I should say to the east side at the Croc Center and may have started with just a few chairs and then slowly remodeled and opened up. Now as of this year if that's okay if that's enough of a history for you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we uh, received an enhanced reimbursement pilot, which I'll tell you about. But we had, uh, we decided because of this pilot that was signed into law to open a third Westside clinic and hire three additional dentists. Wow. So we typically, I would say, had one or two full time dentists and maybe eight or nine part time dentists. Um, we have set this, our model, Oral Health Partnerships model, up as a Absolutely streamlined business model, hyper productive, and essentially a for-profit model with a not-for-profit overlaid, so that we can be continually successful and exist. It's almost a fee-for-service type model. We don't charge patients anything; uh, they they get services no charge. And so we opened that West Side clinic with six chairs. Uh, we have a central clinic, and an east side clinic, so all parts of Green Bay. We do serve Brown County and even beyond uh, when other families and children come to us. We've hired our first full-time pediatric dentist, which is just amazing. We have a hospital treatment now where HSHS, so St. Mary's, St. Vincent's, allows us to treat children essentially um, one time a week, sometimes every other Tuesday, and for those children who have, uh, aren't able to be seen in the clinic or have things they need to be under sedation for. Mm-hmm. So that's going really well. I think our one of our best partnerships is around the schools and how we go into the schools and provide services, and not just fluoride sealants, but full range of services. We have the mobile clinic things mm-hmm. that we bring into the schools we treat Children, dentists treat children as well as hygienists, and we go to something like 25 schools. Uh, obviously, that's wonderful for parents who don't have to miss work and bring kids out of school for long periods of time. Uh, sometimes we have parents who don't have the wherewithal to get their kids to different appointments, and so we're at least providing the education and the dentistry where the children are located. And then, hopefully, if they need more treatment, we're referring them to our clinics. So nationally, you'd see some fluoride programs, some sealant programs in the schools. Not as often, very seldom would you see full treatment with corresponding clinics
0: to get children the care that they need. Yeah. So with these um, mobile clinics, can any kid at the school come get dental care there or do they have to meet some sort of criteria Mm -hmm. that you guys have laid out?
2: We do have an income criteria because we're a nonprofit 501c3. Dentists, when we were being set up, wondered, are these people competition, right? They're going after kids and I treat kids. For the past nine years, almost 10 years, the state Medicaid reimbursement rate for children's dental was at around 30 to 35 percent of the usual customary rate. So a dentist would get, just for example, $100 for filling a cavity. So Oral Health Partnership would get only 30 or $35 for that same procedure. Because we were set up with a lot of very sound business principles, we were able to, we have been able to survive with that. In addition to, um, you know, we might be the recipient of a Schreiber golf outing, $200,000, or we might ask for a grant for equipment, that sort of thing. So so we have been able to exist at that 35% reimbursement rate. When we talked about that with dentists, they essentially, I think at first might have been a little threat. Dentists have big hearts across the board. All the ones we've worked with want to help and want to be part of the solution. They tried, you know, for a while to see these kids and realized it was more cost-effective to volunteer than take these patients into their practices, work through all the state paperwork requirements, rigmarole, and and so they said, "We'll we'll volunteer periodically. We'll do those days, but but." essentially came to the realization, we are thrilled that Oral Health Partnership is taking the children who are on Medicaid or who are uninsured but qualify for free and reduced lunch. So those are our criteria, zero to 19 and on Medicaid or uninsured with free and reduced lunch. Dentists, you know, there were issues, there are issues in public health of people having cars breakdown or needing to go, I was on the phone today with a person who had that job interview right after her daughter's appointment, and so I I need to cancel. I got a job interview, uh, and for for profit dentists, that's uh, anathema. They're really trying to avoid any sorts of holes, and it's part of our model that we are booking so that we can pull someone over from a middle column and you know essentially remain productive. Yeah.
0: So when you were talking about um, the the Medicaid reimbursement. Mm-hmm. Was, was it an issue before Oral Health Partnership where dentists, you, you know, in general wouldn't even take Medicaid patients? It's the, we have had, Wisconsin
2: has had the second lowest Medicaid reimbursement rate for children's dental in the nation. And relatedly, we've had some of the worst oral health outcomes for children and been at the bottom mm-hmm. of all 50 states there were most dentists who would not take the reimbursement and so these children had very limited options as to where they could go and so you were seeing so many children headed to emergency rooms because they weren't getting preventative care they weren't getting education they were coming in with abscessed teeth and uh, horrible pain essentially debilitating pain uh DeMonte driver i don't know if you've heard of him he was in massachusetts uh young boy who died of preventable dental issues. And that rocked the dental world in the sense that people really tried to come together to say, how do we keep young people from dying and just getting them better oral health care? I think people, there's been a divide between oral health,
0: your eyes,
2: and general health. Which I'm looking across the table at you as a, you know soon to be a doctor, uh, and why those decisions were made because clearly they're all intimately related, and you know, so many even uh, high blood pressure can be related to bad oral health. It's all obviously one system. And so dental has been classically underfunded. People talk about dental insurance and say, well, it's not even worth it when you get you know to a certain age and don't do it. It's amazing that that we would segment those out. And I'm sure there were financial reasons to do so.
0: Where are we at now in Green Bay compared to when oral health partnership didn't exist? What Mm -hmm. are some of the outcomes? Well, so
2: when when we started, there was so little care. Uh, Now... We are serving, we plan to serve 12,000 children, individual kids, so multiple appointments. Uh, and the, I think it was census data, indicated there were 21,000 or so children on Medicaid in Brown County. Then we estimate there was another six to 7,000 uninsured who would likely qualify for free and reduced life. So that means we're serving 12,000 out of 27,000. You know, there's a gap. Some will never go to the dentist uh, for reasons of fear or whatever else. But I think we have growth ahead of us. I think that's why we opened our third clinic. We're full. I We're probably booking three weeks at least out right now, which is dentists typically want to be about two or three weeks um, kind of getting those appointments in. The situation, though, is dramatically different because kids are able to, you know, when we see, when we hear about a dental emergency and we have indicators for what constitutes an emergency, uh, we're able to get them in and see them and they're not going to the ER. We would love the qualitative or quantitative data on how many ER visits we've saved. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just don't have that because it's so interrelated and over time and that sort of thing. So the picture for adults and kids is a much different one from ten years ago. I think Green Bay it would now probably be considered a leader in the in the area. I got an email today, it was interesting, from Heidi Selberg, who is the vice president on our board of directors. Mm -hmm. Heidi has been involved, just recently retired from HSHS. And she was really forward-thinking and brought together uh, the players, so to speak, in oral healthcare to say, from 2011, when things were maybe not well-organized and there weren't many services, to now, um, she has been pushing to make sure that we get the oral, some of the oral health outcomes that we want. And there's a CHIP
0: assessment. CHIP stands for Community Health Improvement Plan, It's the where-do-we-go-from-here end of the community health assessment that Debbie and Anna told us about in the beginning of the episode.
2: Oral health has been
0: at the top of their list each time they go through their, not
2: visioning, but kind of discovery process of what some of the main health needs are in and around the area. It won't be this year. It probably won't make the top four. And that's because of the work of Heidi and a lot of other people who have been devoted to seeing that Green Bay has advanced far enough that people can get the oral health care that they need. Recently, the WDA, Wisconsin Dental Association, lobbied for an enhanced reimbursement, and they chose four counties to to pilot this enhanced reimbursement. So effectively, it doubled the amount we receive from 35 percent or 30 whatever to around 70 percent. Mm-hmm. covers all children's services and then I want to say 10 adult services some of the main ones the intent of the pilot is to prove whether or not more people on Medicaid will receive care to move the needle on us being ranked last in some of those indicators so they chose Brown County, um, Polk We're seeing, I'm, I'm probably getting these wrong
0: So I checked the Wisconsin Dental Association website. They have a great summary and video about this pilot, by the way. It's called the Dental Medicaid Pilot Program, and the four counties included in the pilot are Racine County, just south of Milwaukee, Brown County, Marathon County, in the middle of the state and a little north, and Polk, which is where you might put the middle pinky knuckle if Wisconsin was a hand.
2: But they chose Brown specifically because of our program, because we're unique in some ways in the state, when we've gone to statewide conferences about children's dental health or dental health in general, we're often referenced or held up as a good example of a way to run a nonprofit clinic and be in the black, frankly, to not be kind of consistently in the red. And, uh, you know, that's because we were set up by some people who really understood mix of services and um So I think they knew that our county would do well, and we have tried to really show that. With the 70% reimbursement, we've been able to do outreach and marketing in a way that we hadn't done before. Uh, We ran so lean at the top that there was burnout and things got missed, but we had to stay below the 35%. I think the authors of the pilot saw what happened in Massachusetts with Devonte Driver, and they went to an enhanced reimbursement quickly, something like the 70%. Within, I want to say, two or three years, many private dentists were taking Medicaid patients because 70% is a lot more than 30%. And, and as dentists came out of dental school and didn't have quite full patient loads, yes, I'll take the 70%. I think you probably see with millennials, too, that push and drive for sense of purpose in giving back. So some of the younger dentists were even more maybe apt to do it. In Wisconsin, they're following in the footsteps of Michigan. Michigan recently offered this enhanced reimbursement, and I don't know how much they piloted it, but I know that they've gone statewide and seen their Medicaid dental you know, go through the roof with mm-hmm. private dentists offering it. So the thought process is let's pilot it and see if it works. And we heard some grumbling said, Oh, it's not working. No, oh, not enough dentists are signing up. In Brown County, the Brown Door Kewanee Dental Society has said, Look, we're second to last in funding rate. We're last in a lot of these indicators. We need to do something to help more kids. I mean, theoretically, or I think actually, it's the fiscally responsible thing to do because. You're keeping children out of the ER. You're saving money on the back end for the state when adults have all these complicated dental issues. And maybe most important for everyone, you're helping children be healthy, happy, confident in their smiles, and able to get and maintain work. So there are a lot of reasons that I think it's not a partisan issue and that people understand we can save the state money and make a healthier community that is more, um, you know, business friendly and vibrant in
0: general. If other States have rolled out these pilots and shown that they take time to be successful, but Mm -hmm. they do work in in getting the number of patients seen up Mm -hmm. in a few years, Mm -hmm. is there a reason why we haven't, um, kind of just gone for it and and just rolled it out with this data in other places?
2: I'm certainly not a politician. (laughs) And I imagine there are lots of different political intricacies and financial intricacies. I think I think people wanted to see some of it working in action and consider the fiscal ramifications. Uh, Governor Walker signed the bill into law. It essentially appropriated $16 million to the pilot. They've not used... All, they've used a quarter of that so far, and it will be a year of the pilot in October. And there's no sunset date right now, which a lot of people have said is good, because you're very rarely going to get legislators who say, let's not help kids get medical care that they need. So they speculate that they will, take, they will uh, enroll more pilot counties. And what's happened in other states is that they do many of the uh, smaller counties and then by the end they say, and now we're going to do Detroit and now we're going to do. And so that's what people think will happen here is that we'll eventually do Dane County and Milwaukee County. What is it? Yep. Which is very promising for us, which is is actually thrilling for us because uh, even though ultimately it might mean competition, and it might mean that there are a lot more private dentists taking kids, mm-hmm. uh, and so we have to scale back. That's fine. We're not we're not for profit. We're not trying to make money. Right. We are trying to serve more and more kids so that they're healthy and happy, and um, that's ultimately what we want, and I think a lot of other people want as well. It
0: sounds like. There's just been such a transformation in oral health in Green Bay. What are some of the areas that still could use some improvement or things that aren't being addressed by the Oral Health Partnership or other community programs? It's
2: very difficult, as I alluded to earlier, to get rural communities the care that they need access, essentially. We have counties, other outlying counties, where people will drive an hour or two to come to our clinic. Or our clinics, and we used to be, and still officially are the Brown County Oral Health Partnership, but we dropped Brown County from a lot of the marketing, marketing materials because we had so many people call from other counties and say, "Will you see us?" And we said yes, so we didn't want to seem exclusive. I think, I think trying to educate people is. A huge area where we can improve. So we do education, and it's very gratifying when we treat a child, and the mom calls us that night and says, oh my god, you know, the kid's crying because they aren't in pain, and they can eat this or that, and uh, we, we save lives. We pull some teeth, and it's um, very intense how the infection just pours out, and you can imagine. But what we're doing in all of our appointments is the oral health instruction. So teaching, well, usually moms in the room, this is how you brush, and this is for how long, and providing them floss and you know, and the toothbrush. And the parents uh, will then, or, or we'll see little sister come in, and it's a whole different story. Instead of having four quadrants of decay, the child has good oral health. And that for us is such a win. We're going to the Children's Health Alliance of Wisconsin. Uh, Matt Crespin is one of the main people over there. And their focus of the conference this year is integration with health systems and health information. So to answer your question, we're hopeful that we can really work closely with pediatricians who will see the child, diagnose their health, and... Talk to them about oral health. Talk to them about brushing and flossing, and provide whatever referral it is, whether it's to, you know, a for-profit pediatrician because they don't qualify, or to us because we're the, you know, the nonprofit in town. So that from birth, from very young, they're doing preventative things, and and that all is much less expensive for everyone, uh, and better for the child's health. To, you know. Go the education route, have good prevention, and proactive solution.
0: One last topic we talked about was fluoride. Why people would possibly have qualms with fluoridated water, and if there's any weight behind anti-fluoride claims.
2: One super big topic right now throughout the nation is fluoride and the fluoridation of community water. We, in probably December, this came up in Green Bay. So around the nation... There have been anti-fluoride people who have said that, pointing to a number of dubious studies, that water fluoridation is bad for health and doesn't uh, even assist with teeth. Sure. Water fluoridation began in the kind of 50s and 60s, I believe, and led to much better health outcomes, uh, especially for oral health. And the studies on that are rigorous and completely, I'd say, proven, right? Uh, many of these same anti fluoride people are the same people who talk about no vaccines and anti vaxxers, you know. So we had this big uh, debate in Brown County, and the anti fluoride people had a national setup, they had national points. And about two weeks before they were due to present in front of Green Bay City Council, the EPA issued a ruling on something their national anti-fluoride group had sent in, a petition to take fluoride out of all water. Normally, the EPA would say, thank you so much, no, and we're not going to, and we appreciate your suggestion. In this instance because of, essentially, the availability of information as well as the availability of misinformation Mm -hmm. on the Internet, they said, we are going to take the time to thoroughly examine all of your studies. Or actually, they said, we took the time to examine all your studies and refute why they were junk science, why they were not independently reviewed. You know, they went through 22 of them and talked about how you keep continually reference these things, and yet they're wrong, and it's bad research, and it's fear based, and you know, not peer review. All the different things that the pro fluoride studies are, and there's so, such a huge body of scientific evidence. It was we felt so fortunate in Green Bay because we could say, the EPA just released a whatever it was 30 page letter going through all of their junk science and saying why it's wrong. And then talking about how taking the fluoride out of the water would disproportionately affect poorer people because um, they're not as well-versed in the educational things. They don't have access to the same oral health care in a lot of communities. And so the fluoride at least provides some protective you know, barrier and um, helps the teeth be stronger. So the Green Bay City Council did vote. All but one of the alder people uh, or the council members said, we believe we should keep Green Bay's water fluoridated. And Green Bay's water is at one of the lowest levels that you have Hmm. um, in fluoridated water. And I forget what exactly it is. Some communities are much higher. And what was especially telling is if you were to go to well water Mm -hmm. out in the country or something, the fluoride is going to be two or three times higher naturally. Huh. So most water has a lot of fluoride, and you actually have to regulate it down, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, so it's just nice. the fact that they were bringing it into the city, getting rid of everything, and then realized, oh, we should probably put some of those naturally occurring things back in. Back in
0: water. That wraps up our episode. Thanks so much for listening. This has been On The Pulse, and I'm your host, Rob Becker. Special thanks to Michael schwartz Oscar, for sitting down with us to talk about the Oral Health Partnership. Remember to tune in for the next episode of On the Pulse, which will be the first Monday in February. We're taking a two-month break for the holidays and coming back in the new year with more public health topics. In the meantime, keep up with us on Facebook by giving us a like, and if you haven't already done so, rate us in the iTunes app so that more people can hear about our show. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can contact us at on the post, Green Bay, at gmail.com.